The Cure with Amy Cabo. Life can bring many difficult situations. Domestic violence, addictions, poverty, and even sexual abuse by your loved ones. Welcome Amy Cabo and The Cure. Good afternoon and thank you for joining us today. I'm Amy Cabo and this is The Cure. We are live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can listen to us live on the radio or GodIsTheCure.com or later listen to the recorded shows via any podcast app. I'm also joined by Dr. Boris Nikolov, who is my partner at work and in life. This Hello. show deals with suffering and the tenacity of the human spirit, the will to survive and the courage to keep moving forward despite any obstacle with the help of God and each other. We do provide testimonials to let people know that they're not alone. And in this show, the testimony started with me, having been a survivor from child abuse well into young adulthood. We also have professionals in the medical field and inspirational speakers that are willing to help and give valuable information because education is key, transparency is needed, and I believe we can help each other. For me, my healing came from God, but other forms of healing are presented as well to service everyone. Life can be very challenging, but always know that we are not alone. I strategically choose certain portions of the song to play because they've always been very helpful for me, very inspirational. How the song says, I'm so grateful you're alive. I know that I'm grateful I'm alive. There was times I wasn't sure I'd survive. At least three times I almost died. So it's comforting when he says, I'm so happy you're alive. And it's almost as if God wants us to know that we're fine and he will do anything to make us feel right. Because how do you know it wasn't God that gave the singer that idea to sing those words and you heard it just at the right moment? Or the words, all you ever do is shine. And that's just to show us how special we are, that, should, that we should believe in ourselves. Everything happens for a reason, since God is in control. I'm relentless. It takes a lot of trauma to give me PTSD. Maybe that's why not only was I sec a sexual slave to my stepfather every day for eight years, significantly beaten and emotionally abused through my adolescence by my mother, orphaned at 15 years old, raped by several men, endured domestic violence and loss, dealt with continuous custody battles for 14 years, struggled with addiction and lived in poverty, was forced to abort, but also my daughter was almost killed not too long ago. Nonetheless, I'm grateful for my main diagnosis, PTSD, because for someone with PTSD who has chemical imbalances, it's difficult regulating emotions. But I realize that every day that I pray, I notice that I do regulate my emotions better. Therefore, I do need to pray. I need to pray often, actually. <laughs> Had I not developed PTSD, 
I may not have noticed the importance of prayer and the power of God's love. And if you don't know how to pray, it's okay. You can just have a conversation with God. It's fine. I'm sure he wants to hear from us. And if you don't go to church, that's okay too. Church is in the heart. It's not a building. But I was a tortured soul, barely getting by. But never were there darker times than those times when I suffered addiction. Today we have a couple of guests that can help us shed a light into mental illness and addiction and the correlation between the two. Today's guests are Dr. Melissa Daughter and Rich Whitman, authors of the new book, A Vision for Change, How to Help Someone with Addiction or Mental Illness. Dr. Melissa Daughter is a board-certified psychiatrist and founder of Sigma Mental Health Urgent Care. Dr. Daughter has been recognized repeatedly for her clinical work and has been named a top doctor and a best doctor as well as a Texas Super Doctors Rising Star. She also has received the American Registry Patients Choice Award. Dr. Daughter has a special interest in early stage psychiatric care, differentiating serious illness from normal brain development and serving the unique mental health needs of emerging adults. She's a regular blogger and the author of Stuck in the Sick Rule, How Illness Becomes an Identity. Richard Whitman, with over 30 years of experience, is a trusted interventionist and respected leader in the field of addiction recovery. A pioneer in the industry, Rich has served as a primary treatment advisor to Dr. Phil McGraw for eight seasons of The Dr. Phil Show. Rich is an independent consultant and the founder of Whitman Recovery Service. Rich is nationally certified intervention professional. He has successfully conducted well over 500 interventions throughout the United States and has made numerous television appearances. So we'll start with Dr. Daughter. Dr. Daughter, thank you for joining us. And thank you, Doc. And thank you, Mr. Whitman. Are they, do we have them on? Doctor? Yes, I hear you now. Doctor, I, I wanted to ask you, as uh, because I know that what you specialize is, and I wanted to ask you for some of us that don't know, as myself, what is, what, can you tell me about early stage psychiatric care? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Doctor, can you speak up, please? Yes. Is that better? Yes. Okay. For, for many psychiatric um, problems, early intervention is the key to better outcomes. Having a, a, a rapid understanding of the problem and access to medical care um, and delaying help or getting a diagnosis um, can make problems worse. That's true for, for many, many patients um, in psychiatry. So part of my interest is getting people Doctor, I'm so sorry. Can you can you speak up? Um, or maybe come closer to the phone. Uh, sure. I'm not sure what the issue is. Can you? How is that? That's perfect. That's good. Okay. So. Uh, you were talking about early stage psychiatry as a preventative measure, right? So that it's not harder to treat later, as it gets worse. Early and 
well, that's important to know, which because it brings me to another question. I know that ADHD is a, is, is a loosely used a, a loosely used term, and medications are sometimes given unnecessarily. Uh, when should we determine when a child really needs medication, or when it's normal child behavior? Okay, right, and we just have a couple minutes before we go into break, but I wanted to also bring up about uh, adolescents, teenagers, that sometimes it's considered oppositional defiant disorder when it could be normal adolescent behavior. So it's used to describe sometimes the normal adolescent behavior. And so when should we know that is oppositional defiant disorder as opposed to normal adolescent behavior where you can differentiate between a serious illness as opposed to normal brain development. Right. I'm so sorry, Dr. Duda. Can you speak up or maybe if you're in speaker, can you? Um... I can hear her. Oh, no, you can't. Okay. Yes, yes, please. Okay, well, we'll do it this way. Maybe that's better. Much yes, better, yes, you sound great now. <laughs> that's good. Okay, so um, when it comes to oppositional defiant disorder, I think one of the reasons that we have the issue uh, with, the, with that sort of diagnosis is that in our healthcare system, um, services are not paid for by third parties, by insurance, or if that's Medicare, Medicaid, without a disease diagnosis. Mm. So if you go to your doctor and you say, I'm having a problem, and they, and they offer you reassurance and tell you that you don't have a disease, your insurance company may not pay for that care. And I think that's how we get into these issues of normal behavior being mm. defined as disease. Is right. that we're actually required to define it as disease in many, in many cases, which is not the way that we should do it. But there needs to be an ability to... Wow. Well, we're going into break. I want to invite our listeners to call in. Are you dealing with mental illness? How does the world see you? Call us to talk to us. 866-34-TRUTH. Again, 866-348-7884. I would love to hear from you. Dr. Daughter and Rich, please stay with us. We will be right back with Amy Cavill and The Cure. This is Just a Thought with Robbie Zacharias. I know it's a point of discomfort, but it's payday someday. I can, I, we I teach them in our Ivy League schools that all ethics are relative. 
Yeah, I mean, we could. I mean, but I'm going to talk about habits and go into addiction because that's what staying high all the time is. You know, because I got to stay high. Let's do that. That's fine. Lifestyle, thinking there is no absolute by which to measure it against. It catches up with you. I know, then it's not enough. There is such a thing as honor. Even the, one of the founding fathers of this nation said, democracy would destroy itself if we had no moral framework on which to base it. How do you find a moral well, framework horizontal? You can go back to it. Helping the thinker believe and the believer think. For more information, go yeah, to rzi.org and ask her the yeah. question. Back to what you guys were talking about. Situations. Domestic violence, addictions, poverty, and even sexual abuse by your loved ones. The issue is not stay there, but to overcome all obstacles wow, and show that calling. with the love of God, your husband, and your family, you can succeed. A lot of love people calling? Answer, God is the cure. I don't know how to do that. That's you. A warrior who didn't give and achieved the dream of her life. You can get to know more about her and her story on GodIsTheCure.com or buying her book on Amazon.com. This week on Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffers. So, I'm not saying the I guess, Bible says good words. I don't know how to work that. I hope you I hope you do. I'll take care of it, but you okay. give me but our obedience to God verifies our salvation. Good grace understands that obedience to God's commands is not nice and optional. It is absolutely necessary. We're continuing our series called Grace Gone Wild all this week on Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress. Welcome back to the show. For those that are just tuning in, I'm Amy Cabo and this is The Cure. If this is your first time tuning in, we're talking about living with mental illness and addiction. And we're joined by two special guests, Dr. Melissa Dowder and Rich Whitman. And can't we all, can't we all relate to feeling like we have to be high all the time? I, at least I know what it's like to be nervous and restless and sometimes even reckless, <laughs> the dark days of my addiction. And some of us, yeah, we've seen it all. I definitely know the munchies. I used to smoke like Bob Marley. <laughs> and that means, a, well, yeah, that means a, marijuana. But I would binge on food, shopping, a lot of shopping, reckless behavior to feel better. But I don't miss the nights of all the drinking well until the next day. Everyone knows the consequences. And we've all been in a place where we've vomited and woke up the next day with a hangover. And those are just some... Not all of us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, but, you know, those are just some of the effects. Okay. I think it also correlates and with depression. But um, the, it, these songs help me realize that I'm not alone, that even though we may suffer to different agree degrees, we all have more or less the same symptoms. Why? Because we're all human. 
and but that was another motivating factor behind writing my autobiography which was actually very therapeutic for me but I felt that I could help others if they knew they weren't alone Rich thank you for joining us you bet Rich I read that addiction is related to trauma can you help us understand this concept and the effects of the addict or help us understand the addicted person Because if you treat the trauma effects, maybe the addiction is not going to be needed, or you cannot because the patient is not helping. Yes, that's that's, that's a great question. I agree with that statement. Years, so I have 20 years of clinical experience at this point tells me that this is true. When I started as a young professional, I wanted to believe that if you had someone who was an addict or a, an alcoholic and you brought them in and you dealt with the reasons why that they would then cease the substance use. But uh, my, my friend and colleague here, Rich Whitman, likes to say, your family member doesn't have addiction. Addiction has your family member. And until wow. you can release that person from the grips of the addiction, they can't do the trauma work. Well, see, I don't think addiction is a choice. I don't think anybody chooses to be addicted. And it's almost like if it swallows you up and it just gets worse, it's like a chain reaction. You're already feeling bad. You're trying to escape, but then this makes you feel only okay for the moment. But then the after effects, it makes you feel worse. And then you feel like you need it. And then you don't know when it will ever end. And I know I prayed a lot. I, I, I don't know how long this addiction usually lasts. I mean, are, are people, I, I know that for me, my addiction came and went. And when I was addicted to cocaine, actually crack, I did it for two weeks. But shortly after that, I realized it was wrong. And actually, we moved away to Bulgaria to get away from it all. 
we were there for two years. And once a person's addicted, is it helpful to maybe intervene in the beginning so that it doesn't last for a long time? Because I've heard of people that have been addicted for years. Well, it doesn't, it, to me, it doesn't matter how long, it doesn't matter how much, it doesn't matter what the substance is, and whether you're going from one substance to the other, or you're taking geographical changes, or, or moves to, to, to get that out. The reality is that it, my belief is that we have lost the power to choose when we're going to pick up and when we're not going to pick up again, unless we come up with one, and I think that you both will agree with this, a spiritual solution. We do, and there, the, we suffer from a spiritual malice. <laughs> and if we can connect, and even the book of Alcoholic Anonymous talks much, uh, a lot, about that. It, uh, it talks about that as soon as they're able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe, uh, they, they commence to get results. And that's when they begin to comprehend that power from the God. Oh, I don't know what that is. That's the extraterrestrials calling. <laughs> Okay. No, that was a joke. That was a joke. Yes. <laughs> okay. Why don't you lower my my voice? Okay, well, I, I don't know what's, I guess we'll get to the technical difficulty, but uh, for those that are tuning in, I'm Amy Cabo, and this is The Cure. You can listen on GodIsTheCure.com. Yes, go ahead. Maybe you're repeating it on, re on a repeater. You can't have two phones at the same time. Like you know what, Rich, maybe that's because you were mentioning God. Can you believe that? <laughs> Just when we talk about integrating God into therapy, because they, I know they do that in the 12-step process. Pickpocket. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the beauty of life. What can I tell you? So, Rich, we were talking about how you integrate God into therapy because I know that there's a lot of methods and helpful methods that are used, but I believe that the most helpful and successful method is spirituality. And as an interventionist, tell me how you've used that. Rich? Did I lose him? Back to the daughter? We'll be right back after the break. We'll be right back after the break. We will be right back with Amy Cavill and The Cure. Do you know what that was? Technical problem on their end. On their end? Ever find yourself at the end of the oh. rope? 
the end of your patience, even maybe the end of your faith. Hi there, I'm Chuck Swindoll. Well, I think we all do. Sometimes oh, I have to say this. Of when the music's starting, I keep forgetting <laughs> too hard it's okay. to, to keep scrolling. Now, when that yeah. happens, <laughs> okay. uh, don't walk away, but walk toward your Heavenly Father. Reach for Goodbye. the hand of your God. He is the Lord of the desert, even the desert so in which you find yourself. You are his questions? beloved student taking his toughest course. He loves you. Hold his hand. Pastor and teacher Chuck Swindoll. Visit Insight for Living's website at insight.org. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata, and as you know, our ministry delivers wheelchairs and Bibles to needed disabled people overseas. As a result, many people with disabilities embrace Christ for the first time, and it's so wonderful. But you may not know that a lot of other people come to Christ too, like hotel clerks, where our Wheels for the World teams stay, and taxi drivers, who often help carry disabled people from their cabs into our wheelchair distribution area, and often government officials who come by to watch our work, even they end up opening up their hearts to Christ. So pray as our teams go out this week with wheelchairs and Bibles, then go online at johnnyandfriends.org and let us know you're praying. We've got a story to tell to the nations, but that story starts with your prayers. Eternal good will only be accomplished as you partner in prayer with Wheels for the World. And now we will continue with Amy Cabo and The Cure. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. I'm Amy Cabo and this is The Cure. You can listen every Saturday at 1 p.m. live on the radio or goddessthecure.com. We are continuing our conversation with Dr. Lisa Dowder and Rich Whitman talking about mental illness and addiction. The song helped me because sometimes it's a family member that we miss, whether it's addiction or mental illness, sometimes we miss who they are. And the entire family is, is, is affected. And sometimes it's hard to determine when intervention is needed or when you need to let go or when it's even okay to enable as if it was in my case I had to determine to do the right thing for myself until I came to my senses but it's in it's comforting I, I use music a lot because it also tells you the battle isn't over and it isn't and even if you say it's okay and things are not okay that's okay but uh, addiction can be de debilitating because it comes with depression and I know that of all everything that I've tried 
What has worked best for me is integrating God into my life, making him a part of my everyday, thinking about him, praying, going to him as a best friend. That's what worked for me. So Rich, tell me, as an interventionist, what is, was it in, tell me the importance of using God in therapy as they do in the 12-step pro program and as they, they do in the armed forces when they're facing life and death to keep the morale up? Please. I can't hear you. They're believed. Okay. Yeah. You're breaking in and out, Rich. Maybe. Well. Okay. My phone connection is good on this side. I don't know what's happening. Now he's good. Now he's good. Okay. I'll do it like that. <laughs> this is good? Yes, yes, this is good. Thank you, Rich. Okay. I get an echo on this side, but that's okay. Yes, um, please. Okay. What do you mean by that? Can, can you talk to me a little bit more about that? Church, I'd go to a church, 
Well, in my case, I didn't need an intervention because be, being that I have somewhat of a strong character, if if uh, if they would have pushed on me, I would have pushed back. And my husband was just very understanding and always there for me. And even though it was torturing me and I felt very empty, my driving force to commit to getting better and doing the right thing was how I saw how it affected my husband. And my love for him was so strong that I did not want him to suffer, that it didn't matter how I was suffering, and I'd find a way. That's right. And, you know, intervention should not be anywhere close to shoving or pushing or anything like that. They should be facilitated with an act of love, kindness, nice. empathy. Right. Well, thank you then. Well, I do believe that love is the answer to every problem. Really, every problem. Love really is the answer. I mean, that's what worked for me. I am who I am today because God loved me to start off with. And then he blessed me in more ways than I can ever imagine. Uh, Dr. Dutter, I, want, I wanted to ask you a question. Did it, am I pronouncing it right, your name? Uh, yeah, uh, Dutter or Deuter, either one. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. I, I wanted to talk about um, the opioid crisis. So, obviously something that is really going on right now, and I was wanted to discuss the situation about restricting prescription medications and wouldn't that actually be not the most effective way to deal with that because people would turn to heroin for example like uh, I've been reading some statistics that it's actually happening when they cannot go to the doctor to be prescribed their opioid they would turn to buy something illegally and actually make it even more more dangerous for them right. and everybody I think this is a very good question. It's very timely. So um, what happens in the United States and, and probably around the developed world is that uh, there's been sort of a pattern of over-prescribing addictive medication for the last 20 years, and now there's 
Yes, that, that's, that's unfortunately what's happening, and more and more people are becoming dependent, and I think, I don't know, you tell me, doctor, wouldn't therapy and a support system, wouldn't that help? I mean, what can you do if the person's feeling physical pain and needs the medication? We'll talk about that when we get back. Thanks for listening. We're going to continue talking to Dr. Melissa Duder and Rich Whitman talking about mental illness and addiction. I'm Amy Cabo. You're listening to The Cure. We will be right back with Amy Cabo and The Cure. Life can bring many difficult situations. Domestic violence, addictions, poverty, and even sexual abuse by your loved ones. The issue is not stay there, but to overcome all obstacles and show that with the love of God, your husband, and your family, you can succeed. Love is the answer, God is the cure, reveals Amy Cabo's life, a warrior who didn't give up and achieved the dream of her life. You can get to know more about her and her story on GodIsTheCure.com or buying her book on Amazon.com. The biblical facts about God's last day's plan fit together like pieces of a puzzle. And this week on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us put those pieces together to see the full picture. Tune in for a study of the revealing book of Daniel this week on A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. Here's Dr. Charles Stanley, keeping believers in touch with God. David had this awesome sense of courage, this awesome sense of faith that he could face anything. You look at the people today who are fearful of things in life, scared of things in life, facing the unknown future, what's going to happen to them, and suppose this happens. Another person with the same kind of circumstance and difficulty and trial and uncertainty, there's this, this tremendous sense of confidence and quietness on the inside. Why? because they are listening to God and because they have learned to walk with Him. They're thanking God. They're thanking God for His presence, thanking God for His power, thanking God for His provision, thanking God that He's going to be absolutely true to every single promise He's given us in the Word. For help and hope from God's Word, visit In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley at intouch.org.
now we will continue with Amy Cabo and The Cure. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. I'm Amy Cabo, and you're listening to The Cure. We're speaking with Dr. Doder and Richmond Whitman, talking about mental and illness and addiction. And what do you think about that song? I love that song because I believe in being a strong person. I believe in working hard, and I know that I had to work harder. I don't believe in giving up. I always believed I would make it as long as there is God, no matter how long it took. And I consider myself a survivor, not, not a victim, rather a victor in God's grace. It's a very powerful song. It always makes me feel strong. I like to end the show feeling good. It confirmed that I would make it, and that's probably what the Holy Spirit wants me to take from it. Because I do believe. I do have faith. And Dr. Daughter, I wanted to ask you, how important is music for therapy? I think for many people, music is very important. It, it does, um, it really speaks to people. I've heard it said that music is uh, an art form uh, that, that uh, is feeling, sets motion as art. And I think for many people, music can be incredibly So uh, of the conventional and non-conventional therapeutic methods one for, for a person with mental illness and sometimes they can be an addict at the same time, uh, some of the things I believe that are helpful, at least they've been to me, is listening to music, writing things down, reading, uh, meditation, and it, it's also helpful to be grateful right? Because I, I, re I heard this story about this guy that says, I'm not grateful for anything. And then two people, older people that were suffering obviously from cancer walked in and the guy said, that's pathetic that you're not grateful for anything. So he started thinking about all the things he was grateful for and it started, he just started stacking it up. And as he started thinking about all those things he was grateful for, he started mending relationships and doing things he felt he had to do. And little by little, he started feeling better. And these are all the things that go with trying to have a relationship with God and be in good standing with God. And I think that's very important. Dr. Duder, could you tell us of anything that you know that might be helpful for somebody who's struggling with um, mental illness, even though they may be taking medication and therapy, what more can the person do? So I think all of those things that you mentioned are helpful. Um, meditation, music, um, you know, all kinds of self-care, reading books, um, walking out in nature, exercise, um, really all of the things that enrich life and, and uh, help people be healthy are good additions to anybody's mental health plan. Um, medication can't do everything. Right. That's that's true. Medication can't do everything, and I know that for a fact. Though we do need it. I mean, it's necessary, but it can only do so much. And I also learned from my wonderful guests that it's important to have self-compassion. And it's important to start every morning just thinking of what you're grateful for. 
having your routine, doing things you know that you can complete that will make you feel better, whether it's exercise or helping a friend or listening to a friend or doing homework with your kid or taking them to a JoJo concert. <laughs> there's, there's all kinds of things, you know, God has provided so many things to us. Have you ever looked up at the sky and noticed how beautiful it was? I can tell you I never did when I was depressed, but it's beautiful today. So yes, there's many things we can do, but the most important thing I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, the best thing we can do is be there for each other because there's nothing like human interaction. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, that's, that's absolutely true. I think uh, we have to learn to be there for each other in healthy ways rather than unhealthy ways, to lift each other up, um, to be well and live our best lives and not encourage things that can do harm. Um, and when we're together in the right ways, I think that there's nothing more powerful than relationships. Yes, I believe that because I mean, uh, people, all in general, people are good. And sometimes people don't know better. And had they known better, I think they would do better. But it's also important to surround yourself with people that, like you said, would lift you up, not bring you down. And sometimes if you do surround yourself with people that lift you up, and you do things that are positive, that you, you develop healthy coping mechanisms, then life becomes more tolerable. You wouldn't be so upset because sometimes I realize we can create our own misery. Sometimes if, let's say, we don't live, leave, uh, we're not organized, we don't leave it organized, we'd be very stressed out last minute looking for it. And that could be that doesn't need to happen if only we do it right to begin with, if we only organized. And it's, it's important to just, in whatever you do, not only give it your best, but always do it right. Try to always do the right thing. And most importantly, make it count. Because you know what? I've learned that life is very short and it goes by very fast. So, Rich, tell me, yeah. I know that it's, it's very difficult sometimes with addicts and you're always, I mean, you said that you've worked with addicts for a long time. Is there anything that you would like to tell us further about that that could help us understand how to help ourselves? and how to help each other. Well, first of all, addicts is a broad thing. We can be addicted to many, many things. Even video games. Yeah. Absolutely. We can even be addicted to people. Codependent. Uh, we can be addicted to, to someone. Uh, what I have found over a long period of time <laughs> it's really true. So if you're like you were talking about being around good people, being around positive things, being around you know, 
the thing is, it's being around. You have many times addicts, alcoholics, people in bad relationships. They have to broaden their their, their perspective. Somewhere. They got to broaden the horizon a little bit. They got to widen. They got to make their pathway just a little bit wider. It's a state of mind. You have to want it. You have to want it, I think. You do, and, and yet we have to also remember what they say in that we are what we eat. When I was a young child, I did not want to eat my green beans. <laughs> okay? So I didn't want that. The reality is that I did not know is that I really didn't need those vegetables. And so... Say you can't lead, you can lead a horse to drink, but you can't, but you can't force it. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. The thing about it is that you can keep taking them back, and they will be thirsty. We don't give up. If we surrender to addiction, we surrender to his will. And that is wrong. Addiction. Oh, you're breaking in and out. I'm sorry. Can you repeat okay, that? I'm sorry. There you go. Much better. Thank you. I'm, I'm a very strong advocate. Nice. And like I said earlier, to as we, I know that we're winding this down, if I could say one thing again. Sure. What I believe is that enabling harm as many addicts and alcoholics Wow. The enabling can virtually kill an addict and an alcoholic. Not the drugs itself? Well, the drugs itself will be, will be the cause. That's what, the, that's what we'll say. Is at the very end of it, we'll say he overdosed. But yet, if we would have not given him that I understand. Exactly. You have to learn. You have to teach the person to help themselves. Lifestyle, and part of that is paying for your car 
rules for all the changes that happen at once. In our book, A Vision for Change, it shows steps all the way through. Right. Nice. Very important. And just to let you guys know, life is not always rosy, nor do I profess we are the perfect couple. We have disagreements, maybe a petty argument, but one worth making. I'll talk about it when we come back. Thank you, thank you for being on the show, uh, Dr. Dutra and Rich. We'll put more information on our website. For more information, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yes, this is good. What happened? I never got to say my thing. Yeah. I had to go. I had to skip to here. 